This is about you. The infinite you. The part of you that can't be seen, can't be smelled, touched, or tasted. But you know you feel it. Who you really are. In a world lost to confusion, a universe that's partly illusion, when we look for meaning, we often simply find more delusion. Ground your consciousness in the sounds of the universe, a podcast about your true omnipotence. There's a universe inside each of us, but our beliefs keep us constrained to the edges of what we can imagine. The Innerverse Podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garden, and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all, our lives. Welcome to the one within all to the innerverse from a frosty Missouri in February. I'm Chance, and I hope you came ready to raise the vibe and heal the tribe with another inspiring podcast broadcast. And I thank you for letting us into your magnificent minds with this episode's highly admired and spiritually wired guest, Bradley Philpot. Bradley is a self-published author, crystal-wielding Reiki master, and shamanic guide to seeing through the dark sides of life. You can find his contact info at Wildfire in Earth Reiki and pay him a visit if you're in the Northwest Arkansas area for a healing session or a friendly hangout, or do like I did and find a digital copy of Bradley's book, The Fool's Journey, available online and linked in the show notes for this episode. It is a great read with many practical shamanic techniques that anyone can use to start tapping into their infinite side connecting with guidance, and improving our perceptual abilities of all things spiritual. If you've been curious about unlocking your own latent psychic power, but you feel about as energetically dense as a bag of bricks, this book might just liberate you a bit by showing you new ways of seeing things. And of course, one of the main reasons we have the innerverse is to open up that portal between your eyes and let the imagination run wild. So it's great to be conversing with someone who has very useful information to help with that and a famously fun and loving attitude to go with it. Today here with Bradley, you can expect to get a hands-on toolkit of many techniques you can use in your own mental dojo to practice everything from out-of-body exploration to communicating with passed-on loved ones. But before we get rolling on this curriculum of rising into our own true selves, I should let you know that there's an extended version of this episode available to subscribers who sign up for Interverse Plus. You can find that link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash interverse. And for five bucks, you'll get double your pleasure and double your fun access to several dozen extended shows and a whole bunch more. 
So sign up and get a two-hour podcast instead of one. And best of all, you support this show that you love so much. And I hope you especially appreciate that it's totally ad-free and supported only by your listener donations. And I promise that no matter what, I'm never going to start making you sit through ads for anything at all. We're never going to have sponsors. And the only ads you'll hear are those reminders that you've got an entire doubling of your Interverse universe to explore just as soon as you become a Plus member. And I'll be super massively grateful to have you join the tribe. But if you're new here, I'll just recommend that you follow, subscribe, and share the show from whatever podcast platform you prefer. You can find it everywhere from iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, to pretty much anything else with all the links you'll ever need available on the Interverse website. And this time around, we're going to be starting with a guided meditation visualization. And I really encourage you guys to actually participate with this. It's about the first nine or 10 minutes of the show, so it doesn't take all that long. But this show is called Interverse after all, so I think it's a great idea to use it as a tool to help you guys facilitate your own inner journeys. And that's what the whole shamanism thing is all about, actually, is tapping into that universe within. And in this episode, we talk about a lot of things that are related to that inner universe. So I really think it would be awesome if you participate in this guided visualization and Bradley will appreciate it too. And now, my friends, it's time to put your energy healing powers to the test and shoot some electric love tentacles out of your fingertips, toes, elbows, nipples, whatever you prefer, all to wrap up our guest today in a magical, time-defying astral hug and welcome him to the show for his first time. He's your amigo and mine, Bradley Philpot of The Human Experience. Thanks for being here, man, and welcome to the universe. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be in this beautiful universe. <laughs> Awesome, man. And you were going to guide us through a grounding meditation, which I could probably use after uh, all the electronics that I've been getting up to the last couple of days without, without grounding. Well, all listeners, grab your organite, grab your crystals, sage yourself and get ready to uh, stop being so spiritual and just walk the journey. Uh, my path is the path of the fool. You can learn from my follies, laugh with me at my blunders, but most of all, remember to rejoice that we are alive and experiencing history in the making, the dawning of a new age, the birth of a new epoch. Poets will write of this time of wonderment. Songs will be sung about our adventures and tragedies. Life is the grandest epic ever written. So remember to be bold, be free, and be you. The time has come. The fool awakens from his sleep, his slumber long and his rest deep. Spirit is calling on the wind and rain, a tourniquet of healing from sorrow, from pain. Pushed to the edge, he walks without care. Wherever he steps, guiding spirit is there. Turn towards the light and fret not. The journey before you is the greatest story ever wrought. Take a moment to close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and release it out. As you breathe in, breathe in beautiful white light that is filling you with healing, with energy and magic. Magic surrounds you all around you. And ex as you exhale, release your tensions of the day. Let go of all of those worries. Leave them at the door. You can pick them up later. <laughs> And with me, I want you to count from 12 down to one. See the number 12 in your mind, 11, 10, 9, 8, 
seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. As the one dissolves and fades into the astral, I want you to see a screen before you. The screen ripples like a quicksilver mirror. Walk through the screen. As you do, like Alice walking through the looking glass, you find yourself in a beautiful land of wonder. In that land, you will find that there are trees and a pathway that you can follow that will take you down the path towards the tree of life. Idrasa, Axis Mundi, the center of the world. It has been called many names. As you journey towards the tree, you'll notice that the tree's limbs reach up into the sky, into the clouds. They are creatures of myth and legend flying in and out, birds of all colors flitting around. You can feel the wind on your skin and the sun warming your heart. As you draw nearer, you can notice its massive trunk and its mighty roots digging deep into the ground, grounded and centered. Standing before the tree is an angel holding a shimmering rainbow jewel. As you draw near, the angel extends the jewel and gives it to your hands. The angel directs you to move it to your root chakra. For those who don't know, the root chakra is based in the center of your pelvis, the center of life, the center of all creation. It loses its rainbow colors and begins to coalesce into a beautiful, brilliant red ruby. The angel taps the stone and it begins to spin of its own accord. Just as your chakra will spins, so too does the stone. As it spins, it begins to splatter color all over your chakra, deepening that deep red hue, filling you with the blood of life. The memories brither. Allow it to fill you, ground you, feel that red energy filling you with life force. As it spins, the jewel loses its color and becomes translucent and clear. Our chakra is open, active, and ready to move on. The jewel ascends to your sacral chakra. As it does, it takes on the color of orange sunsets a divine sunset on the beach. It fills you with pleasure, with gentleness and love and connection with all things, a connection to the infinite. The jewel begins to spin again and spreads that sunshine orange around your sacral chakra. You may feel that it just makes you a little juicy and flowy and fills you with a need to move just like the tides coming in with that golden light. The jewel is now clear and moves up to your solar plexus where it is filled with a beautiful yellow of sunflowers, the color of happiness. You may notice that you burst into a smile as the jewel begins to spin and spread that good, beautiful yellow light around your chakra. You can feel it pulsing through your body warming you up like a fiery furnace 
and filling you with laughter as it bubbles up from your sacral chakra. As the stone clears of its color and begins to be translucent, it moves up to your heart chakra, filling with an evergreen color, the color of forests, the color of deep meadows and soft, gentle valleys of rest. Your heart opens to all the love of the universe and you become one with nature, one with the universe and one with all things. As the stone begins to spin, it spreads that green hue in your chest, filling you with a love so deep, so divine, so connected, that you wonder, how have I never felt this before? How have I never been so connected? When did we lose this? As the stone begins to clear, you realize that you never have, it was always with you and it moves up to your throat chakra and it takes on the color of a blue iridescent ocean, an ocean of words, an ocean of wisdom, an ocean of truth, deep and anchored in all of your lower chakras, bringing truth up to the surface that you may speak for all to hear your truth, stand on your own truth and be one and centered. The jewel begins to spin and spreads the truth around in your throat chakra, releasing old blocks, releasing those people that tell you you cannot do things, you cannot say things, releasing censorship from society, from your family, from your friends, and from yourself, releasing you to truly speak how you desire. As the jewel clears, you feel a peace resting over you from the mother. The jewel will move upward into your third eye, filling it with the beautiful blue darkness of twilight, a deep, deep hue of cobalt blue indigo. Feel as you feel the vastness of space, the vastness of spirit, and the vastness of the collective Akashic records of all things, filling you with wisdom, knowledge, and mysteries so deep that they just are unfathomless. Allow that jewel to start spinning, to open up that third eye, awaken to your intuition, to your guardians, to your guides, to the divine, and all of those who have ever been kind to you. Their words whisper into your ears. Their journey becomes your journey and you are connected. Move up into the crown chakra as that jewel takes on a beautiful violet hue. Transcending and breaking through all blocks and patterns, all chains and all attachment, releasing you from any desire to be anything but perfect and whole. Allow the divine to wrap you in a hug and as they do, that jewel begins to spin and translucent and spins up into the universe, pulling with it all of the energy from all of your seven chakras and allowing it to flood outward like a firecracker, just fountaining out with energy so that you are connected as above, so below, within and without. 
Thank you so much for going on this journey with me. And thank you, Chance, for letting me guide you through this meditation today. <laughs> yeah, I need like uh, mission control to bring me back down, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You should stay up, 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 further up and further in, as C.S. Lewis says. Right. Well, thank you for that. I've we just answered my first question, which is, what is shamanism? It's basically this type of journey work. Am I right? Yes. Uh, shamanism is one who sees in the dark. And it also, in the tongue tongue, shaman can also mean a bridge between worlds. So as a shaman, I have one foot in this world and one foot in the other world. And I don't know if every shaman is this way, but I felt I have always been on that journey of teetering between do I belong in this world or do I belong in the other astral world? <laughs> yeah, head in the clouds, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, head in the clouds, but also firmly grounded in here. I mean, even Christianity has the idea of, you know, we are in the world, but not of it. You know, we are set apart in some way. Something makes us other. I like to look at it as we're the types of people that just kind of flipped to the last page of the book one time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> even though we were on like chapter four. To do that, you can't cheat. <laughs> you got to read the whole thing. Oh yeah, we we will, but you know, yes. we just wanted to make sure it was going to be all right, which it is. I right. feel like that's the the big bridge that we we uh as the type of people that are hard open can beat to others is the peace that is available at all times, just right there in us. All that it takes is simple, simple visualization or the type of thing you just provided for us. Right. Because that's what I loved about writing the fool's journey is that it, the biggest theme of it is who are you? And the answer is you are a spiritual being having a human experience. You just need to unravel those layers that you have put on yourself, those blocks to your intuition, to your psychic gifts, and allowing you to open to a world of pure imagination. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's just the the number one theme of Interverse is opening the portal to imagination. And the, that other side, one, I kind of wanted to focus on some of the techniques that you share throughout the book. Of course. Maybe yeah. go through some of those. So I've got some good notes here. And okay. one of the things you mentioned early on is using a dream journal. So how yes. important would you say that is for connecting with the other side or your intuition? Well, I have so many clients and people that just write me asking, well, how do I know I'm psychic? I'm like, well, the first way is release the fact that you don't think you're psychic. You are. You are innately psychic. And then you just have to figure out how spirit speaks to you. And a lot of us do work in our dreams, especially now with um, the Ascended Masters and, you know, the star seeds and indigo children and all of us having all of these incarnations moving on to earth for this time period are speaking through us unconsciously. The greatest way to harness your unconscious is through dreams. And so I recommend uh, keeping a dream journal. That way you can understand themes that are going on and really tap into how spirit speaks to you, learning your personal symbology. 
Because that's the funny thing about doing shamanic work is I may see things working with clients. And to me, it's a green bear. To them, it means something completely different and triggers either a memory or triggers healing in some way. Uh, And it's you have to look by doing that dream journal. It helps you kind of decipher your personal symbology so that you can understand what spirit is telling you. I'll use myself as an example. The last dream that I remember from the night before last, and this is so weird. It speaks to what you're talking about doing work in our dreams because I was, for some reason, I was with the father of a guy that I went to high school with who I haven't seen probably for 10 years. And I, so I have no real present day connection with this person, nor was I ever that close with this guy or his dad. (laughs) I just knew him. And in this dream, He's wearing like a big red sweater and we're working with something trying to help his health. And I don't remember the details, but I mean, the red color is an obvious indicator that it was some sort of physical root chakra health issue. Right. I even got the moment you said that prostate, especially in men. I mean, because prostate is the, the, the home of the root chakra. Yeah. Interesting, man. It's that first thought that pops up oftentimes has a lot of validity. Correct. And that's, that's all intuition is. That's all psyching is. Like when I was a kid, I used to think it was daydreaming. You know, these things would pop in my head, these little images and scenarios and stories. And the more I voiced those daydreams, the more I realized they were things that I had no way of knowing and should not know about random people just in the room or, you know, my parents, which of course they just loved. And, you know, my friends and family, you know, just being around them, you pick up on that energy from their aura or from their spirit guides. So why would you put self at the top of things to believe in if we're going to have belief systems at all? I think because know thyself is one of the oldest uh, decrees that uh, it comes from the Greek philosophy and the Oracle of Delphi. Before you came to the divine, before you asked for anything, or before you even made a plan, you know, like the Oracle of Delphi was a woman, a sibyl that kings and emperors and, you know, heroes would go and visit. And above, emblazoned above her temple was know thyself. And it was meaning, know who you are before you stand before the divine. Because that means once you realize that you are connected, you can actually understand what you're going through. And so by knowing yourself, you release yourself. So it actually takes out selfishness (laughs) altogether. (laughs) Well, it... It's a new meaning to selfishness where you realize that the more imbalanced and healthy you personally are, the more full of healing and life energy you are to share with others. So it's selfishness in a self-edifying or self-healing, self-respecting way as opposed to selfishness as in uh, I can do whatever I want to this body because it's mine. 
Correct. No, you realize the sacredness of your body and that attending it by, you know, eating well, exercising like you were talking about before we got on here, uh, getting out in the sunshine, playing with animals, being a creator in your own life is so important. And you have to know yourself so that all of yourself can be in the manifesting mentality, you know, so that all of you is there present and ready to go, not worrying about something in the past or not worrying about the future. Your power is in the now. And that's a mindfulness trait and also a shamanic teaching as well. You know, be centered in who you are so that when you do do a ritual or a ceremony, you're not pulling power away from it by worrying about, you know, yesterday or tomorrow or, well, how's my spouse doing or how's my neighbor doing? You're here right now. That's the only time you have right now. And that helps you affect those areas better by knowing yourself. And in Western culture, if you look at doctors and nurses, they are so overworked. And the the common complaint that I get from these workers is I am so exhausted. I am, I am, I'm empty. And so by knowing yourself and filling up your own cup, and, and working on yourself is the first step. <laughs> you know, working on yourself is so that you can have something to give. Or when life comes to hit you and knocks you over, all that's going to come out is anger, grief, and anxiety, and weariness. Versus if you're filling yourself up, you when you're knocked over or jostled, joy comes out, happiness, healing, if you have been doing that work. That kind of leads me to a question that I had, which is what kind of self-work does being a Reiki practitioner bring up or maybe require on a maintenance level? Accountability is the biggest thing. Um, I noticed that a lot of my clients, and it might be just because I'm a shaman too and intuitive medium, is that I go through journeys and then I do this work and then boom, I get clients that need everything I just learned <laughs> by doing it myself. Um, one of my, if you guys, have you talked about the human design or anything like that? It's been touched on. Okay. I've also talked about Gene Keys. And yes. so okay. it's something the listeners might be familiar with, but it's like, Probably I need to do a lot more exploring on it. So, <laughs> oh, me too. I'm I'm just kind of putting my feet in the water on this one and testing the waters. But so far, I've come up with a lot of good information. And my my alignment is called the left angle cross of distraction. So what that means in general is that I am the grit that gets in the pearl that create or that gets in the clam to create the pearl. So kind of I'm the first step. You know, I'm like the stumbling block that makes you go, oh wait there's something more. Or like for Alice example, which is a big shamanic imagery, I'm the rabbit that leads you down the rabbit hole. But then it's your journey at the end of the day. Um, And what's crazy is as a Reiki practitioner, I've noticed that I have to hold myself accountable and constantly heal so that I can constantly be healing. And so it's like layers of an onion. You just keep peeling them back and shed those tears. And eventually you get to the center of something or, you know, an issue or a block. And as you release those blocks, you're able to release them in others and show them kind of the pathway, like guide them down the path as a guidepost, not a measuring stick, because we don't want to compare 
our journey to others, that's the killer of joy. We just want to act as guides. It makes sense. If you're the white rabbit, you got to stay clean and pure. Otherwise, no one wants to follow a uh, a mangy, (laughs) dirty old rabbit. (laughs) No, nobody's going to follow a mangy rabbit. Mm -mm. No, they'll be like, I don't think so. (laughs) Yes. And that's a big part of it is, you know, constantly uh, keeping yourself clean and acknowledging, hey, I'm like, like I said in the intro, you know, like learn from my follies, learn from my mistakes, let's laugh together. And that's one of my favorite teaching moments is, so don't do this because I've done it. And this is a hilarious story. Let me tell you about it. Because <laughs> one of the biggest parts of shamanism is the, the archetype of the storyteller. You, you are able to take uh, life events and create anecdotes that tell a broader story that teach us. And story has been so huge in our mythos and the human evolution of teaching us how to be human and how to transcend above animal uh, instincts and move further into ascension. Okay, perfect segue for my next question, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I must be psychic. Let's talk about the uh, sacred Merkaba. What is the story of the Merkaba? It's something I'm familiar with, but I have never really gotten to touch on this on the show before. I think it's such a fascinating subject that we could spend a lot of time on it, potentially. Oh, of course. Well, it's a vehicle. Um, And if you've read in the Bible, you know, Ezekiel saw the wheel and all those different things. Merkaba is an ancient symbol that's kind of the tetragrammaton. It's like a symbol of divinity. And in Indian tradition, Merkaba was the vehicle to ascension. So in essence, by opening your seven chakras and opening yourself outward, you know, the seven chakras as above, so below, plus within and without, you create a sacred Merkaba. So that's the imagery I use whenever I'm working with clients and whenever I'm doing personal work is I don't create a shield around me like a bubble, as some people do. It's like a giant Merkaba that has everything balanced and it's of light. And what the Merkaba is able to do is pull energy in different areas where a circle or a cube or a smaller shape couldn't do. And so it allows you to expand uh, awareness and who you are and allows you to connect different connections that you might not be able to make from a bubble. Right. And to actually work on this, one thing you can do is visualize the geometry of the Merkaba, which Mm -hmm. is the star tetrahedron. So you've got, you know, you've got a tetrahedron above and a tetrahedron below, Mm -hmm. sort of like two pyramids. Right. And you bring Mm -hmm. them together and and smash the middles into each other so that you create this star shape where the corners are sticking out of the middles of each other, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that has a counter rotational spin that you want to put on it. And all this is like, you can do this practice in your imagination. Of and course. it's actually something that's really <laughs> happening. Imagination is not uh, unreal. That's important well, to know. Right. And imagination is the tool. Uh, imagination is what the the uh, shamans call, you know, their boat or their, their way into the astral. Like a guided meditation is basically a springboard into deeper understanding of the astral and spiritual realms. So what we're talking about with the Merkaba, just to like clarify, because I feel like it's important, is you're, you're talking about constructing a literal light vehicle 
light body for yourself and practicing driving that thing around as yes. opposed to just like drowning in the infinite deep end of the imagination with just the doggy paddle style of swimming. <laughs> Correct. Because uh, the biggest thing about shamanic journeying and, and meditation and any of those things, the biggest thing to take away is intention. And so set your intention, create your Merkaba, create that. It will hold your intent for you so that even when you're distracted by, oh, wow, that tree is so pretty or, oh, this this being is speaking to me and I'm trying to understand it. You're protected. You're held in your intention and you're held in the light. That way you don't bring any baddies or negative entities with you. Right. That's kind of a real thing, too, because if you're leaving your body to go on some kind of journey, whether it's inward or in the outer astral, which is actually still inward, you still get there by going inward. Correct. <laughs> the metaphor I always use is you don't want to leave your car unlocked in a bad right. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, because there's, there's so many entities and, and energies that kind of hang around those portals, just waiting to kind of latch on. And sometimes that happens in, uh, when you're beginning meditation or astral travel or any of those things. Some of the things you see might be scary because of your own uh, internal fears. You're energetically attracting those. And that, if that makes sense. So by doing the Merkaba, you're setting yourself up in light. You're setting yourself up in a vehicle which is pure and which will kind of help weed out those situations. I'm saying this because I ran into them and it was very frightening for me at first because I have an amazing imagination. So <laughs> um, I could think of all kinds of horrible things that could go wrong. And of course, those things did go wrong in my visions and in my meditations, but that was my journey so that I could help others understand them when they did come up. Yeah. And you give a great example in the book about the story of deer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. <laughs> to go with that. So, you know, how to deal with those situations. Could you share? Oh, yes. Uh, Deer's journey is a beautiful journey. And that was actually one of the first readings that I set through with a psychic intuitive friend, Angie Ditto. And she pulled the deer card and she literally, she was trying to write uh, kind of intuit it and she goes oh spirit's just telling me to read the book so she pulled out the book and read the story that went along with deer and i pretty much just like pulled that over from memory what i could remember from it but the story of deer is that deer wanted to travel up to the peak of the most high so up the sacred mountain and so he began on this journey that went up the path and he came to a bridge on the bridge sat the demon of fear. Now, if anybody knows anything about deer, deer are very skittish. Deer are very scared in nature. You know, they're fearful of predators. You know, they're not at the apex. You know, they're not at the top of the food chain. So they live with fear. So that was deer's demon to deal with. And we all have demons to deal with. Some of us might not deal with fear. Some of us might deal with, you know, greed or anger or wrath or or, you know, abuse and all kinds of different demons that we bring up the sacred mountain. Well, as you're traveling up the sacred mountain, these demons kind of act as stumbling stones or guardians so that you can get through them and release that demon so you're freer to move. 
So as deer went up the mountain, he met the demon of fear. And so the demon of fear transformed into a hunter with a gun. And the hunter was just looking straight down the barrel at deer, ready to shoot him right in the heart. And instead of running, instead of fleeing, because deer was like, I have to get to the top of Sacred Mountain. That is my goal. Deer was like, I don't have any way to defeat this hunter. So instead, he just sent out all of his compassionate love. He said, I accept my fate. I accept the destiny. If this is my destiny, I am to go. And he just accepted that and loved this hunter and just sent it through his eyes. Immediately, the demon of fear disintegrated in a shriek and was gone. He conquered the demon of fear for us so that as we walk up the sacred mountain, we don't have to walk in fear. And we can just go straight up to the peak. <laughs> but that metaphor applies so perfectly for anything that you might encounter in a meditative journey or even just regular old garden variety fear of like a spider or something. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Like when you realize it's a part of God's creation and a part of the universe's perfect plan, everything has a purpose. And we used to say, in back when I worked at customer service days, um, you know, we used to say someone loves this person. And that's the way you can kind of interact with people that are bitter or angry is just realize that someone somewhere loves this person and channel that love into this person. And believe it or not, I would have people that I would, you know, would come up to the counter and they would be cranky. But after a few times of me talking to them, they would open up and they would get nicer. So, you know, kindness begets kindness. You can't kill hate with more hate. <laughs> Thank you, Martin Luther King. <laughs> it's so true, though. And you definitely can't get past something that scares you by continuing to be scared of it. It's just like that classic quote of Einstein's. Yeah, it makes the monster bigger. So. One way to avoid even bringing sort of your own personal negative vibes that you might be carrying into a, a session is creating sacred space. And this is like a staple aspect of magic, especially in Western occultism, but it's also in native traditions. It's, it's something that's important in basically all schools of magic. And we've never actually talked about creating sacred space or a magical circle or honoring the directions. So I'd love it if you could kind of break down that process because hopefully people are taking notes. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. Okay, good, because I love evocation. All right, so the, the reason we create sacred space is once again, it's just one of those layers of protection. And what you're doing is you're walking into a space and normally you use this space, you know, day to day, there's negative energies, there could have been a fight in there. If you're sharing a healing space with other healers than their clients, there's so much energy going on that creating sacred space kind of helps dispel that energy and cleanse the room. And I use the uh, shamanic tradition of smudging when I do sacred space. So I take some sage or some sweet grass or some cedar and I burn it as I'm going from direction to direction. Now, you don't have to follow this template exactly, but I started in the east because I'm a fire sign. And so I put east a fire in the east because that's where the sun rises. Some people have it in the south. That's fine if you do it that way. Whatever feels comfortable for you is for you. So I start in the east and I call the spirits of fire 
and the East of passion and courage and will. And I asked them to come into the circle and just cleanse it with their fire. And then I moved to the South kind of in a clockwise direction because uh, clockwise direction is for invoking. So you're invoking these energies of the directions. And I started in the East and moved to the South, which is my house of air. So I speak to air and, you know, knowledge and wisdom and all of those things that uh, are the realm of the mind. And I ask that, you know, for me, I ask that owl be there. In the East, I use fox uh, because fox is a fire spirit for me. So fox in the East, owl in the South. And then we move to the West, once again, moving in clockwise. And we go to the West and I ask that uh, water and the spirit of otter be there, playfulness, intuition, and guidance. Because water is a very intuitive element. So that's that place of the mother and, you know, of uh, feminine energy and playfulness. And so then I move to the north, which is where I have a couple of entities that stand for north, but north is earth. And I usually ask stag to be there because I love deer, of course, um, and that uh, it helped ground us and ground us within the body and within earth. And so then I move to the center of the circle and cast a, you, so you've made a circle, which is kind of like your plumb line. You've done the circumference, and then you need to create a sphere of sacred space because that's what a lot of people don't realize is it's a sacred circle is not a circle. It's a sphere. And so you create the sacred circle, and then you do as above, so below. So you kind of make an orb, and then you do within and without. And the reason you're doing that is whatever work you do in the sacred circle will reflect outward into the universe. So what you're doing, the work you're doing here will ripple outward and cause uh, manifestations and effects in the outer world. And that's usually how I do it. Then I invite divinity in and my spirit guides. And like I said, in the meditation, anyone who has ever been kind to me, come, uh, give me, lend me your hand, lend me your power. That's cool. You've got... You know, you've got some of the basic elements in there, but then you've made it your own with particular types of energy that you want to incorporate for yourself, like otter and stag. And I think that's yeah. pretty much sums it up. The way that these practices are meant to be done isn't to necessarily dogmatically follow some particular way of doing it, but that to understand the geometry of what you imagine is a real shape, takes on real form. <laughs> right. I, I, I love what you're saying to make it a, a full sphere too. And, you know, a sphere looks like a circle when viewed from our perspective, but that right. doesn't mean it isn't actually a sphere. Correct. And what's interesting is take going back to the very beginning of what we were talking about. It's that know thyself. So the more of yourself you put into the ceremony and the ritual, the more powerful and effective it will be. If you're just following someone else's rote or someone else's dogma, you're missing out on that personal connection with the divine. And so I think that's what you were talking about earlier is that, uh, you know, adding that self into something really unlocks your power and your energy to freely express how you want to express what you're doing in your own room doesn't have to be what you do you know at church you know you 
at church, you're expected to do things one way and say this and say that and bow here, nail there. You don't have to do that in your own house. You can rejoice with the divine however you see fit. I like what you're saying because it ties in to something that I think about a lot and uh-huh. probably you do too because you came from a religious background like myself. Oh yes, I'm a recovering Southern Baptist. <laughs> yeah, I was I was born into a Baptist uh, family too, so I I know what it's like. <laughs> well met, brother. <laughs> what do you see in popular New Age philosophy that might actually be mirroring religious concepts of spirituality? Like, what notions do we need to shift to get out of, I guess, slave mentality? To be honest, because that's what I see. The in particular, like the what the Roman Catholic Church has done for thousands of years is it's not so good. Okay, I think the biggest important part to remember is that you have to remain loyal to your path. Uh, You're not trapped by any belief or dogma. Uh, The biggest tripping stone I see in our new age community right now is the thinking that you have to change others. First of all, you cannot change anyone. You can only lead a horse to water. Like I said, you can be a guide. But at at the end of the day, it's their path to walk. The most beautiful part of my work is that I work on my own life. Then I begin to move that focus outward. And so the New Age Ascension movement seems very me-focused. And in a sense, that is true. But when you heal yourself, you love yourself, and you know yourself, then you are whole within yourself and you're able to release what does not serve your highest good. And you're able to choose the path of love by letting others walk their path. So what's neat is we meet a lot of judgment of, well, you're not doing it my way, so you're not a part of our group. Or you're not doing it this way, so you can't be you know, around me, which is so, I mean, you miss out on so much. Uh, You know, when I was going to JBU in college, the biggest thing they taught was God, all truth is God's truth. And I love that saying, because it means it doesn't matter whether you're studying Buddhism, Christianity, Catholicism, witchcraft, uh, shamanism, uh, you know, if you're an atheist, all truth comes from the divine. All truth is universal. And so you have to realize that the most beautiful part of work and of grace is leading others to a crossroads, being the lantern that illuminates the path, but then loving enough to set them free to walk their own journey. And so many people are like, no, you have to do it this way. You have to take this initiation, you have to take this oath, and you have to take this uh, class and whatnot. And no, the true grace is letting people be free to be who they are. That's beautifully said, man. And I often think it goes without saying that I have a huge variety of people on the show and I don't necessarily always see things the same way as anybody. Not that I ever like throw that out there and put it in someone's face and try to fight them over it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I wonder if people listening to the show just assume that I buy everything every person has ever said on the show a hundred percent. And I'm like, hopefully I'm just thinking, hopefully we're all past that notion and we realize yeah. that if you look up the word belief in a thesaurus, they've got antonyms or the opposite meaning words, not just the same meaning words. And one of the antonyms to belief is truth. So like yes. 
we mostly don't even need it. <laughs> There's maybe right. some foundational choices that we can make about what our perspective should are, is going to be. But even right. those can be validated through our subjective experience to be true. Like what you're talking about, relate uh, healing aspects of yourself to move energy in the outer world. To me, right. that's like a big component of shamanism is mm-hmm. you look for the correlation to you find where the energy is stuck in your experience or like mm-hmm. in the group of people you're with or whatever. And then you look for how that correlates to energy in your body, whether it's a particular organ that you can work with cleansing or empowering or whatever, but there's always a correlate and you'll find that you can put that one jigsaw puzzle piece in and you'll actually somehow the big picture will reflect that. Correct. And with shamanism and being a Reiki uh, instructor and practitioner is, you know, that not all puzzle pieces fit with specific individuals. So you kind of have to be able to be flexible. And if you're living in dogma or if you're only going by the book, uh, you're going to miss out on healing opportunities so much for your clients if you aren't able to come at it from a different angle. You know, just because it worked for you does not mean it's going to work for your client or the person you are working with or even your spouse. You know, I mean, we've run into that so much is that people are so caught up in their own perspective and their own stories that they miss the beautiful stories that are going on around them. And that's what's nice as a shaman. It teaches you to take that step back and look at yourself objectively and others objectively and realize, you know, they're angry, but they're not angry at me. Their, their perception of me is a reflection of them. And so you have to realize that that goes both ways. It's a mirror and you are, uh, what you're perceiving is only a reflection of your inner world. So you have to kind of be, become in love and compassion or you're going to keep tripping over the same things. Yeah, I get that mirroring thing, I think, even more than the average person because yeah. <laughs> I, I was talking to our mutual friend, Madeline Elizabeth, on our oh. previous episode. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it came out that my, I guess, galactic signature in this human design system is white magnetic mirror which means it's like literally all about drawing in the creative energy of others and then mirroring it out to the rest of the world. It's kind of trippy because it sounds like a podcaster would be, yeah. <laughs> oddly enough. A so, divine podcast. I guess. Like maybe I'm doing the right thing here. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you are, but you're, you're doing the thing. That's all that counts. And you're doing it for you and no other you know, reasons just because you enjoy it. And because you want others to experience what you can't quite put into words. So you bring other people in here to help you share that. And that's beautiful. My journey kind of mirrors Mary Poppins, <laughs> you know, because I come in, I turn things upside down and then I melt back into the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what any good helper should do. Uh, yeah. Like leave people wondering if they were even there at all. Maybe they did this for themselves. <laughs> right. But what I wanted to ask about is your book. I wanted to make sure and give you a little bit of time to talk about your book for people uh, in the free show here. And I wanted to bring up the funny synchronicity that I was writing down this question of, do you have a second book in the works? And then out of the blue, you sent me a message with a preview image of your next book. And I was like, oh, you must have heard me. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I have an open crown and an open third eye and an open throat chakra. So a funny story that kind of goes alongside with this. Uh, I work with a group called The Human Experience, and you spoke with about them with Daryl and Pharaoh uh, and probably Madeline, too. She probably brought them up a little bit. But um, The Human Experience, we were doing a workshop and Taylor and I uh, were doing it was about death, fire and rebirth. And uh, I did not write anything or prepare anything. I just went in there knowing spirit would let me speak what I needed to speak. And she had written notes and she had cards and index cards. And I literally read everything verbatim off of her card from the speaking. (laughs) And she (laughs) threw her cards up in the air. She was like, damn it, Bradley, you cannot do that. Yeah, she literally, I stole everything that she wrote down. So we have a new joke. Don't write things down or I will, or I will pick it up. Uh, But going on to the fool's journey. Yes, I do have a second book in the works. Um, It's called the wildfire and earth, uh, heart, soul and spirit, uh, the shaman's journey part two. And this work is going to kind of uh, extend what the Fool's Journey, Raise the Vibe, Feel the Drive started. The Fool's Journey is more about your journey. Uh, The second book is going to be more about reflecting that outward. So as above, so below, within and without. So I'm working with those energies. And so we're doing, we did the within work. Now it's time to do the without work. And of course, that mirrors my journey because as I said in the full moon metaphysical where you and I worked um, together, I wrote the fool's journey and then I got to go on a fool's journey. (laughs) And, uh, you know, basically spirit was like, hey, Bradley, you're going to practice what you preach. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And as you say in the book, you hit the last part of the transformation and you think you're there, and then the next thing you know, you're back at the beginning, and you yes. gone through the rebirth aspect. Yeah, well, because as I was writing the book, I was like, well, how can I write a spiritual concept? Like, how does that, like, how can I write it and not sound dogmatic and not sound pragmatic, you know, and not get hung up on so many labels? Like, how can I do this where I kind of embody my free spirit and the fun And yet I'm also giving you uh, guidance, you know, like, how do I not, you know, tie a tether around your neck and drag you down the path of ascension? You know, how do I lead you gently? (laughs) And I was started at the same time I started writing the book. I was struggling with writing the book and I started learning tarot and I looked at the fool's journey in the major arcana of tarot. You know, the zero card is the fool. And then you move to uh, the next card, which is the magician, and then the next card, which is the high priestess, and then the emperor, and so on and so forth, until you get to nine, which is the hermit, which is my life path number, and then you get to ten, which is the wheel. And I was like, whoa, the moment I saw that laid out, because I just set all 11 of the cards in front of me, and I was like, there's 11 chapters right there. <laughs> and so I just looked at each card and what they meant, and the The excerpt that I spoke uh, at the very beginning in the meditation was the fool's little, you know, kind of uh, lead in piece where I wrote a little poem for each of the cards kind of divinely channeled that helps the reader understand what they're going to go through on the first chapter. Because I feel like my book is really hard to sit down and read all at once because 
you kind of have to read it in stages is what I'm getting from my readers is that I'll read chapter one and then I'll go and I'll live my life a little bit. Then I'll come back and do chapter two or reread chapter one. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's what I just went through. But the fool's journey is great because it talks about how we all start as fools. We all start as a baby. And, and on this path, when you start a new path or a new journey of anything, you are the fool. You're excited, you're exuberant and you trust and yet you know nothing. And so you have to trust that you are being led in the proper direction. And that uh, the fool's journey, raise the vibe, heal the tribe, kind of gives you little things like using your pendulum, automatic writing, the dream journal. It kind of helps you connect with divinity through your own intuition so you're not feeling so alone. Um, because a lot of my journey has been solitary. I'm not a big fan of working with coven's or groups. I mean, I do... Um, but I'm kind of part of those, but autonomous at the same time. I do my work on my own. So it helps you connect with that. Well, yeah, I might have been a different type of reader, I guess, because I got through it quickly. Oh, yay. But it was also something that I didn't have to take breaks and go necessarily do some of the practices that uh -huh. you put in there because I was able to go and reflect on those experiences that I've already found for myself because Perfect. I've been exploring these concepts for a long time, actually quite a bit longer than I've been podcasting. And I will just say it is a great primer for learning yes. some shamanic techniques that can even like whether you do them a bunch of times or you just have a few experiences with this type of work, it will follow you. It'll ca you'll carry it. Like I can remember clearly shamanic journeys that I've been on in my mind or my imagination you could say or to an actual other world you could say that yeah. I, I remember them as clearly as like going to an amusement park or something maybe more clearly in some cases when it comes to meaning so it's it's real it's it's real it's, it's a real place yes. you can go correct and the fool's journey kind of helps you walk that journey of you know realizing you're gonna make mistakes realizing you're gonna uh, not know all the answers but that's okay let it go and let spirit guide you. And it gives you great ways to, you know, number one, in the first few chapters, I teach you to create sacred space and raise power and uh, work with your intuition, the pendulum, the automatic writing. And then it goes into kind of connecting with your power animals, going deeper in who you are, communing with your ancestors, which is a wonderful thing because I did my ancestor journey with my shaman that was teaching me. And I went in there expecting to meet this old ancient ancestor and I met my grandfather <laughs> who has only been uh, deceased for seven years. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, uh, well, I'm, I'm your ancestor guide. I'm like, no, you're not. Move, move out of the way. There's someone more important. He goes, no, 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 you're missing it. He goes, who taught you how to fish? Who taught you how to tie your shoes? Who taught you how to swim? He was like, I'm here to teach you to fly. And I will never forget those words because I was like, not only did I reconnect with my hero and someone who taught me how to be a man in this world, it's someone who's teaching me how to be a man in the other world too. So that was amazing connection with that. And then it also goes on to teach you the balance of divine masculine and divine feminine and how to heal deep soul wounds and then how to celebrate and celebrate the dance and remember ecstasy and that stop being so spiritual, be a, a spiritual being, you know, by just being you, you already are spiritual. You don't have to get 
so bogged down in these exercises and work, just enjoy them. And that's one of the biggest things. Uh, my guiding spirit is the fox spirit. And she always reminds me, have fun, be playful. You know, don't take everything so seriously. So the biggest part of the fool's journey is just learning to tap into your natural gifts and that we're all gifted. And you're right, it is a great primer because it helps even people who have been doing this path for years, it kind of confirms what they've been doing and maybe gives them a few new tools to add to their bag. But it's things that you will constantly do no matter what stage of the journey you're on because you will always need the basics. And some people who are so innately, naturally talented need to be reminded to do the basics because they get you know bogged up or they feel worn out or burnt out. When I feel burnt out or worn out, I go back to the basics. What got me to where I am today? Oh, well, it was this. And you'll notice when you stop doing those things, you stop re-energizing yourself. Especially the basics of meditation. And even just a, a meditation practice that is basic, you're going to notice, like if you read Bradley's book, or even if you just start thinking about this concept of going on inner journeys, then you'll notice that a lot of this stuff happens to you spontaneously. And it's just a matter of paying a little more attention when you're in that daydream and going, oh, wait, something's trying to talk to me yep. here. <laughs> and that's exactly it. I feel like spirit is always knocking. And, you know, I, it's like that beautiful imagery of the muse from ancient uh, Roman philosophy is that the muse is right there. She's knocking. She's trying to get your attention. If you don't listen, she will go somewhere else. So I don't know if you've ever wanted to write a book or make a song or write a story or make a movie and you get this thought and you're like, oh, okay, you write it down and then you kind of forget about it and let it go. And then you see the movie three months later on you know, the big screen or you hear the song playing, you're like, oh my gosh, I heard that melody. Or you read a book and you're like, oh my gosh, I was writing this story and now it's right here. It's kind of like the muse is like, you should have listened. Well, spirit is the same way. Um, it comes to all of us at the same time. And it's just, you know, the shaman is the one who sees in the dark. It's the one who hears what others can't. And so it's, it's tapping into that message that is being sent out across the cosmos and you just kind of grab it however you grab it like you said in your daydream or or in your dreams or through a lot of mine is very shamanic a lot of mine is like through seeing a hawk or seeing clouds in the sky or seeing you know the way leaves fall on the ground i mean just different things and understanding that synchronicities are always there if you just look up <laughs> Brilliant, man. Well, hey, give people your website and how to find you online and where you'd oh, like yeah. to connect to them. And we'll, okay. we'll wind down this free show and take our break. Well, you can find me on www.wildfireandearth. That's an N, earth, the letter, dot com. And also on Wildfire and Earth on Facebook. Uh, there's a link to book appointments, grab my book, and all kinds of other exciting things. I like to post little inspirational posts and some exercises so you can dig deeper in there. And as I continue to write my second book, you'll find more and more, I get more active on social media because I get that writer's pump primed and then I just start writing everywhere. So uh, be sure to check that out. And so thank you for having me, Chance. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been a blast. It really pretty much flew by. Like, I know. I was like, it's already over? Wait, what? 
luckily we got another hour to go for mm-hmm. our our tribe so looking forward to that we'll definitely dive more into some of these techniques that we haven't touched on yet and i've got a whole plethora of questions to stick to you so let's do this all right let's do it i'm ready hit me thanks for being here man it's been a blast and we will see everyone later Well, guys, we're about to wind down this particular ride in the holodeck simulator called Interverse. But I really think this was an important episode. And I thank Bradley so much for all the heart that he puts into everything that he does. From his book to his Reiki to his appearance on this show, I think it was extremely fun. And his enthusiasm for life really comes through. And why I think it's so important is that this ability that we have to access the holodeck, as I just called it, to go within our own minds or our own self, I guess you could say, and explore an entire universe, including the external universe when it comes to things like remote viewing. I think this is a power that allows us to actually be better artists, no matter what type of artist we are, because we're tapping into the deepest aspect of what it is that makes us exist, which is the imagination. And so it's not that what you see on shamanic journeys to the other worlds aren't real just because you're using your imagination to connect with that. It's actually that your imagination is a perceptual tool. And I say it all the time, but thoughts are not the foundation of everything. Imagination is. Thought is a form of imagination. Imagination is not a type of thought. (laughs) It's not a way of thinking. It is a perceptual mechanism. And we talk a lot more about this type of thing in the Plus Extension, which you guys know that you can get for $5 a month by signing up on Patreon. You can find a link for that in the show notes. And I really hope you do because I know you'll enjoy it. We started out talking about Bradley's journey from Southern Baptist worship minister to tarot reading Reiki shamanic healer. And what I find so interesting about that transformation is that it involved practically a near-death experience for Bradley, which he talks about in the Plus Extension. I'll summarize that he had a crazy breaking of part of his spine that really was a total freak accident and led him to be immediately popped out of his body. And that led him to find Reiki through trying to heal his extreme pain from that incident. And these accidental Kundalini awakenings and out-of-body experiences are like I said, really common to the shamanic awakening. And they each happen to the person in question in a different way. So it doesn't have to be exactly like you almost die or you get really badly hurt. There's other ways these things can happen. I kind of talked about my own personal experiences in this realm. We discussed the details about what it's like to give and receive Reiki healing, which I think practically constitutes an attunement to Reiki. Like if you heard that and you then used your imagination to do that in your own way and keep exploring, you're going to find that you've got a lot more power to help and to heal than you realize. We talked about detoxing our parasitic side with a love cleanse. We talked about using crystals with Reiki. We talked about automatic writing and other ways of contacting spirit, power animals and ideas on how to connect with them and honor them. And what I found really interesting was the shamanic role of psychopomp and the guidance of lost deceased spirits and soul alchemy. We talked about that the way spirits might be speaking to you through synchronicity. And finally, at the end, we got some really deep advice from Bradley all about finding and following joy. And I just, like I said, I think this was the perfect conversation. I almost wish we could have had this type of a talk sooner because some of these things are so foundational to 
the to the spiritual journey of all people. But I really like the way that Bradley described all of these practices from connecting to power animals to tarot cards. All of it is about making these practices your own. Like he was saying with making sacred space, this is all about making these practices your own. Make these practices your own, just like an artist would do with a painting or something. You know, you can always look to others for inspiration or knowledge about techniques, but your own intuition during the process, just like with art, is going to always be your biggest teacher. And, you know, one way that you can practice your ability to connect psychically with others who are either alive or dead is something you already do. But just picture having a conversation with somebody like imagine the last time you were kind of in a fight with somebody and you were having this back and forth argument in your mind. Like they would say this, but then I'd come back with that. And then they'd say this and I'd be like, boom, and I'm right. (laughs) I know that we've all done that. I'm sure we don't do it that often anymore, or maybe ever. Maybe we've evolved past that. I like to think I've kind of evolved past that because I realize what's actually happening is you're hooking into the actual spiritual foundation of that individual when you're having those mental, mentally simulated conversations. And they aren't quite the simulation that they appear to be. Because if you know another person, which you do, you know anybody that you know you're quantumly entangled with, and if you have a strong connection with someone, all the more easy it is to connect with them on a spiritual level. That means you can imagine what it is that they would say at any given moment. And like I'm saying before, imagination isn't something you're making up. It's a perception. So what you perceive in these imaginary conversations can really go into a very positive direction just as easily as they can be fake argument fights where you're practicing warming up for a sparring match verbally. So I recommend you try that. Maybe with someone who's passed on that you care about, just imagine having this conversation with them in your mind, what they would say, what you would say. Maybe they have a lot to say. Maybe they don't have a lot to say. But if you try this with various people, you might find a stronger connection with one or another. But this is a power we've all got, and it's almost like automatic. I mean, like I said, we all do it automatically, at least on the negative side of the spectrum. So why not try to do it on purpose? to practice your own psychic connection, intuitive ability, imagination, power. (laughs) Because that's what we're all about here. So big thanks again to Bradley. I hope you guys go check out Wildfire in Earth Reiki. Also the human experience. That's another thing he's involved with. You can find links to him in the show notes, as well as the outro music I'm about to play by my homie, Austin, also known as Cadella. Always a great go-to artist for music on the show because... It is so dreamy and inspired. I love everything that guy makes. So go check him out. Follow him on SoundCloud. K-A-D-E-L-A. Got big things coming on Interverse. I've got the schedule pushed all the way out to like May. This will be the fourth episode for February. That was mission accomplished. Hoping to get one out a week roughly. And so I kind of did that. Had a slight hiccup in this month. Actually, my grandfather just passed away, which you might have heard about in last week's episode with Madeline. But because I've got this type of connection, like me and Bradley have been talking about, it's almost just not even sad when people pass away. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks for us here on this side that we don't get them physically to hang out with and have fun with. But I feel the presence of anyone that's left this body or left their body and left the world. I feel them inside my heart. They send me signs and clues. It happens all the time. It's really cool. It's just very inspiring and uplifting. And I know that whenever we get to the other side of things and we're reunited with loved ones that have already left, it'll feel like it was just one day. So there's really nothing bad about it. Thanks for listening. 
Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share the show, do all that good stuff. You guys are my biggest advertisers because I don't have a budget for advertising currently. However, you can also help me out with that by becoming Plus members. Truly, if you want to hear more of this show more consistently and get more bonus material, Plus is the way to go. And I really appreciate you guys helping me live my dream of being a podcaster, which I absolutely love doing. Even you free people, you're still really beautiful and wonderful and valued to me, but you'd be even more amazingly valuable if you also share the podcast with people you care about in person, preferably because... To be honest, Facebook and stuff like that aren't that great of a way to share consciousness information. Although things can get through, they don't really get through people's filters who aren't looking for this type of thing. So if you don't already know about the type of information we share on Interverse, you might not be prone to seeing this type of thing pop up in your newsfeed. So like I said, look to find someone to connect with in person, tell them about the show, have a heady conversation with someone out in the street. Why not say, hey, if you like these kind of conversations like this deep out of nowhere chat you and I just had. Why don't you listen to this podcast they like called Interverse? It's how, there's heady chats all the time on there. <laughs> but that's enough of begging for assistance from you guys. I know that the right people will hear it at the right time, and I'm grateful for that. Until next time, take care of yourself out there and keep that mind in harmony with that heart. <laughs> that's what it's about. Okay.